Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Saige. I'm here with my good friend, Al Caperna. Uh, we've been talking about the spirit of innovation, and this is, Lord, this is, I mean, almost 10 series uh, down the line. We're not done, actually, uh, Al, I'm sorry to say this, but we've got um, we've got one, two, three, four, five. We got about seven more left. Uh, I'm trying to get some content here. And we've been dealing with the spirit of innovation and we've been dealing with different aspects of innovation. It's part of a book that we're working on that we'll be publishing, uh, authored by Al Caperna, about his journey in building uh, what I believe is one of, one of the most innovative kingdom companies in terms of what they've been able to do. Um, some some products that, that most of us don't know it came from a kingdom company. And so today we're going to deal with competitive advantage. We're going to deal with how, how does innovation enhance or help one's competitive advantage. Before we get to that, though, you know, Al, um, we were talking earlier that you recently discovered that you had uh, a heart incident. Right. Well, brother, first of all, I'm sorry. Welcome back. Uh, tell us, what is a heart incident? Well, Patrice, what I found out, the difference between a heart attack and a heart incident is a heart attack, you've got permanent heart damage from the blockage. A heart incident is they got there in time and they were able to save your heart muscle. Wow. So, so that means you are fine, but just have to be cautious. Is that what it is? Well, you know, I thought I was healthy internally. All my tests came out. I've had blood work. I've had the test before. But um, I didn't know that plaque was building up in my heart. So I had to get a heart stent and open up one of my main arteries that was being that was clogged, which was get, causing the chest pain I had. But the doctor said, there's no way you would know. You've got a healthy lifestyle. You've done everything right. Matter of fact, the things you've done right probably saved your life. Had you not wow. lived a healthy lifestyle, you might not have made it. Wow. So does that mean, is it kind of something hereditary that you have to be, it's just a fluke? Right. It's just, it's just hereditary. And there's what I did prolong the incident, but it didn't prevent it. So, wow. Well, you look good, my friend. It's good to be, it's good to be here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good to have you because we gotta, here's the deal. Um, once we get this book published, then you can go home to be with the Lord. Is that a good deal? <laughs> no, we're going to go a little longer than that, unless you plan on doing this. Your wife and your children say, oh, Patrice, not exactly. <laughs> this is not my finishing point, Patrice. <laughs> that was a selfish remark. Uh, but, <laughs> you're right. Well, you expect me to call you, don't you? <laughs> I know. It reminds me of a story. Um, so my daughter was about to get, she was 14 or 15. She was, she was about to get her license, driver license the next day. So I, I, I was about to kiss her goodnight. And she said, Daddy, I'm so excited about my getting my license tomorrow. Um, she, she said, I don't want, I'm scared to go to bed. I said, why? She said, I may not wake up. I said, "What?" She said, "Daddy, I, I don't know what if I do if I if I don't get up in the morning, I wouldn't have got my license." <laughs> I said, "Well, baby, if you don't get up, you'll be in heaven." She said, "Yeah, but I don't have my license." <laughs> <laughs> so my prayer for her that I said, "Lord, may may Gabrielle live long enough to have a license before you take yeah. her to be with the Lord." 
<laughs> and she made it. And she did make it. She That's got her great. license. Great news. And, and, and she has, uh, she had more years ahead of her too. She's now about to turn 21. <laughs> wow. Yeah, your girls are getting older. They're getting older. They're getting older. Well, our, um, on our last show, we, we went through a series of innovation that uh, your company, CMC Group, did that led to growth. Um, and and if you've not didn't watch the last uh, show, please go do that. Uh, go to our website or download uh, the podcast on uh, your whatever iPhone that you may have, whatever smartphone you may have. So you can really see, uh, hear about the different innovations that Al led the company to develop that led to business growth. But today what I want to focus on is going to be one of our shortest episodes on competitive advantage. I'm reading a book called The Innovative Solution, uh, which is a part two of a book called The Innovative Dilemma. Okay. Um, and it really talks about innovation. And one of the core tenets, the whole, the whole heart of innovation, is that a company that's innovative it's set apart. It, it it just it's 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 a competitive advantage. It's it gives them a um, it position them better than their counterpart. But for you, though, you didn't. For you, it wasn't a strategy for competition. It was just who you were. First of all, is that true? I mean, I think for your story, it wasn't like you were setting out to be competitive. You just as an ideas guy. Yeah, I think as much as an idea, man, is is you're looking for those opportunities or those hurts that your customers have, and how do I how do I solve those hurts? So you're just cognitive of those those situations in the market. You just see them when you drive around, when you walk around, you just see. Well, we could do that different. You could do that different. You could do that different, and that's just the way your mind works. So before we talk about competitive advantage as a strategic process innovation as a technique and a strategy let's just deal with the idea of a culture of innovation because for you as you just described a culture of innovation right so in a sense as an entrepreneur if 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 that's not in me what you described there how difficult is it then for me to rise to using innovation as a strategy right it's good i think it's going to be difficult because uh, for me you know, Albert Einstein said something interesting. He goes, you know, creativity is intelligence having fun. Mm-hmm. I think I said this before. And I've, I've kind of always said creativity is really the Holy Spirit having fun. I love the it. Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit is the great creator. There's nothing he can't think of or do or solve or take care of. So I think a lot of innovation, Patrice, comes from just staying in touch with God and going, hey, how can we do this better? How can we do this different? And what I love what you said earlier also is how can we help people? How can we heal their hurt of our people, right? I mean, that that is a key. So I, I want to give a working definition for competitive advantage um, so that we, we can get a little bit academic because I want you, you our listeners, to kind of understand where we're, we're heading here. So um, competitive advantage, it, it's about essentially what causes you to stand apart from uh, other businesses, your uniqueness, the thing that gives you superiority, the thing that gives you an edge over other businesses 
that are like yours that leads you to outperform. And one of the things, again, that we teach entrepreneurs is that you want your competitive advantage to be based upon your unique strength, not borrowed strength. Right. Your unique strength. So let's talk about that because Al, you just made a point that um, it's about having fun. It's about playing to, to doing something that you enjoy. Right. So, so for you, for you guys, you weren't borrowing strength from external. You were doing what you. It was something that was in it, a part of you. Right. Is that true? That's true. It's just the way you, you can't almost go anywhere and not see we could do that different. You could do this different. Or you, what about doing it that way? Or what about this? It's I think I shared before that, um, you know, in Proverbs, it says many are the plans that a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. And, you know, God created us to make plans, Patrice, and he created entrepreneurs to come up and do things different than other people who did them. The question is, then you said earlier, how do we know which ones to do? So we to, to make that objective, a lot of people start businesses and can play in a market. They can become they can become part of the market. Few people create businesses where they can win in the market. Mm. And then even fewer create businesses where they can protect that place of winning. So can you play, win, and own? So the question you ask yourself when you have ideas, okay, can I play? Can I win? And then can I own my position in the market? Mm. And when God gives you something that's creative, you're set apart, and you can own it. You can own that position. I love it. Play win and own and i've added one other to patrice then you have to ask yourself what's the size of the prize mm. so you might be able to play win and own but there's not a prize at the end of that big enough to make it worth the effort to get there mm. so Ooh, that's good play win and own and what's the size of the prize so does that then mean that there has to be some kind of market analysis to see whether or not it's worth the effort right Wow. Exactly. Wow. So, so let me talk a bit about, let me give a formula that we use our for compare advantage. And I want to ask you a question around that formula. Okay. So we said, so it's, it's passion plus strength, passion uh, plus strength. So, so first it's gotta be something that you're passionate about right. and it's gotta be, something that's down to your strength. Right. So before I continue, let me ask you a question. So let's talk passion. So how important was passion to you with, with your company? And how did you know the things you were passionate about? I don't know if you've taken strength finders, but my number one strength is my sense of responsibility. Mm. So that drives my passion because I feel responsible. Also drove a lot of problems in my life because I feel responsible. But so for me, if I see a problem and I have a solution I'm passionate about, it just drives my passion. That creates the passion. It drives my desire to, to fix that problem. I want to fix it. I want to solve it. That's just who I am. So, so you're passionate about problem solving. Right. Now, right. let me ask you a question. So... For somebody who's passionate about problem solving, do you also find yourself looking for problem to solve, even if it's not warranted, meaning the economy doesn't make sense or 
is not as you know because if there's no problem right. to solve my assumption would be that you're kind of a little bored well i don't have to look for things because i see them <laughs> i have to what i have to do is decide which ones are opportunities and which ones are assignments mm. so for me the biggest mistake I've made in life is I've chased too many opportunities and not focused more on the assignments where I could play, win, and own. I love it. So here's what I'm gathering here. All right. So you got to then choose the, so you got to look at what you're passionate about. And as you try to look at your passion, discover that, then you got to say, okay, what opportunities based on my passion can I play in, win, and own? Right. Let me add another into the formula. Let me add strength or right. talent. Right. So let you so whatever you're passionate about it. And then now, how did then did you line it up with your strength or your capabilities? Well, that's where I think the creativity comes in and separating ourselves because Patrice, I'm again in strength finders, one of my gifts is connectiveness, connectiveness. So I'm not limited to solving a problem the way other people do, because I can bring in areas that don't apply. Mm. And I'm going to bring in solutions a lot of times over here. And I'm going to use them over here where a lot of people haven't done that before. Because I don't, I don't have that restriction of it being impossible. I just have that restriction. It hasn't been done yet. <laughs> I love it. I, I say that again because I want to make sure your audience catch that because that was intuitive. Say it again. I mean, that was not intuitive. Say it again. Said I don't have that restriction of things being impossible. I have the restriction of it hasn't been done yet. Wow. I mean, you're taking our minds to a place of of exponential faith and belief. Yeah. I mean, what what can't what problem can't God solve? So <laughs> how much of that was a factor of how you're wired versus your faith in God or a combination of both? I think it's a combination. I mean, I was talking to my neighbor the other day and I was helping him fix his lawnmower. And I go, I just love this stuff. He goes, and he goes, yeah, as a kid, I, I couldn't put together my bike. I said, as a kid, I had to do all the repairs of my brothers and sisters bikes because that wasn't my dad's strength. He didn't fix things. Me, I just I just fixed things even as a little kid. I was curious about how things worked. I've so, always been like that. I'm curious. So uh, there's a DNA factor here. I mean, your dad didn't fix things. Did your mother fix things? Where'd you get that from? I I don't know. Wow. Did your grandfather fix things? My grandfather, my one Italian grandfather, um, he was a builder. So he built his homes and okay. you know, he was a concrete man. So he was a builder. Okay, so it kind of came from there. Skip the generation. <laughs> well, you know, back then, about 80 years ago, you had to make everything. You, you couldn't go to Home Depot and buy a tool, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to come up with some way to make it work. So, so it sounds like, going back to the formula on innovation, it sounds like you're both passionate about problem solving, but it's also a talent, a skill of yours. In other words, you are a gifted problem solver. Well, talents are something that come from taking, I love this too, Patrice, because you know, I've always prayed about that verse in the Bible, a one talent, a two talent, a five talent person. And I, I asked God for years, I said, what's a two talent person? How did a one talent person become a two talent person? Not a great question. 
Where did yeah. the two talent person go? I get how a two talent became a five talent, but how did one talent become a two talent? And I believe that happened, Trees, because they used the gifts God gave them and they did something with it. Mm. It's not that someone invested in them. It's they took the initiative to do something with God gave them instead of hiding it. If and you're they, faithful of a little, God makes you rule of a much. That that increase comes as a rule of faithfulness. But it starts with you taking responsibility for the own strength God has given you. Wow. We talked to Alcaperna about the spirit of innovation. Today, we're dealing with competitive edge, advantage. How do you use innovation to establish a competitive advantage? So we land a framework for innovation. One thing that Al, Al talked about earlier is that, you know, you have to first have a culture innovation because it can't be something that you're, you're, you're pursuing by might. You got to make sure it's who, part of who you are, your company culture. We're not dealing with the idea of competitive advantage. So it's first, you, you, as you identify what your competitive got to be, it's got to be something you're passionate about. It's got to be something that you, you're strong in based on your own innate strength. And then our, as part of our uh, formula, we also deal with the idea of calling. So one of the things we tell entrepreneurs is that if you're going to develop a competitive advantage, it's got to be not only something that you're passionate about, something you're strong in, but that you're called to. Because we believe from a kingdom perspective, if you're not called into a space, no amount of passion and strength can hold you right? Uh, because you'll become transactional very quickly if that space gets very hard. Uh, you know, uh, and, and by the way, it doesn't mean that you will make less money and more money. Just being transactional means you become greedy, frustrated. You, yeah. You'll become, you'll want to, you know, overcharge. You just, in other words, you won't, you, you won't have the right heart about it because you can actually make more money by being, by operating a calling. But when we become transactional, you 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 no longer having fun. So let's talk about that. Do you agree with this idea that uh, truly, from a kingdom perspective, competitive advantage, passion, strength, and then calling has to be part of it? It's got to be an area of culture. Do you agree with that? If you so, know, I'm going to go back to um, I go to in the prisons with one of my friends, and we do we do entrepreneur programs inside the prisons. And one of the questions I ask the prisoners, I ask them, "What's the purpose of business?" And most of the answers are to make money. I said, okay, now you guys, until you come up with a better answer, you're not part of the program. Because you broke the rules in something that you felt was worth it, and now you're in prison. Mm -hmm. If your goal is to make money in business, and that's your passion, your goal is to make money, you'll break the rules again. I'm just going to put you right back in prison. If you don't have a purpose or a goal bigger than making money, I'm not helping you. I love it. So in a sense, we have to have a high calling and just make money. Right. It's, you got to have a, because if your goal is to make money, Patrice, you'll do whatever you have to to make money. Wow. Well said. You got to have something in you that's greater than that goal, because that goal has to be subservient to the passion of the higher calling. <laughs> I love it. So with that, let me now tie to scripture. And I'm going to kind of share a few things and then kind of ask you to respond to it based upon your journey and your experience. Again, we're talking about how to help them develop a competitive advantage. I want to read a scripture, First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, that we use as a foundation scripture when we're dealing with competitive advantages. It really ties to the point you just made. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. And everyone who competes for the prize, actually, let me read the entire scripture because I think they put it in context. 
Do you not know, the Apostle Paul says, that in a race all the runners run, but one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you, you, as you get the prize. You talked about play, win, and own, right? Right. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. Right? Going back to your prison analogy, right? You want to make sure that 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 they have a higher calling. They're not just going for something that's not going to last. But we do it, we as believers, to get a crown that will last forever. Right. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So in a sense, this is what we use to demonstrate a biblical worldview Good. for kingdom competitive advantage. So I'll relate that to what you just said for me. Well, it's, it's perfect in terms of our conversation today. You know, you can chase things and and be chasing something that's not worthy of chasing. You're, buff, you're beating at the wind. You know, you're, you're trying to accomplish. You might have a passion to accomplish something, but there's no prize at the end of it. So you just waste your energy because you're not on your assignment or your calling. And what Paul's saying there is let's focus on our calling, our purpose. In all the activities and all the things you can do and think of, like a proverb says, and all the plans that you can create, which one of them is God giving you to help him build and extend his kingdom? And build and and and, and at the same time, when I say his kingdom, that means helping his people. Because see, Patrice, one of my goals in life is when I look behind me, I want the people behind me that I've interacted with to have more peace and opportunity in their lives than they did when they first met me. So one of my goals is bring peace and opportunity to the people that I walk with. It's not just to make money. Matter of fact, making money is not my goal. My goal is to impact the lives of people for eternity. Matter of fact, I had a banker one time, Patrice. He said, he goes like this. He goes, so what is it you want to accomplish in life? I said, well, to be honest with you, it's to change eternity in lives of people that I meet. So my goal is deeper than that. All these things are about me having the opportunity to interact with people so I can impact them for eternity, Patrice, and produce fruit that will last. And all this other stuff is just part of the journey. Wow. And, and with, with that level of conviction, you know, passion, strength, calling, that level of conviction in terms of that ultimately it's about what you just pointed out. Do you believe, Al, that that puts you in a mindset whereby those solutions, those ideas can even flow even more because you're in line with the eternal God. I mean, there's there's this alignment now. It's like he says, okay, Al is doing my purpose. I want to work through him. I mean, isn't isn't that, that's not why we do it, but but isn't that yeah. kind of a, is, that's the alignment with, 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 with eternity? I, I would hope so. I think the biggest difference, Patrice, is maybe not so much like the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. The biggest thing is, is, you know, my prayer and lately my prayer a lot has been, Lord, let me produce fruit and fruit that will last. And you talked about that verse in Corinthians. So in Patrice in life, we don't want to just produce fruit. We just don't want to do good things. We just don't want to make money. We just don't want to invent things. All those things are integral in us having that interaction with people. See, one of the things that business does, it makes us interdependent. Mm. So you wanted to do run Nehemiah Ministries and me being a businessman, there's an interdependency here. That's right. 
right? There's a reason for us to get together. Well, business creates interdependence. It, it makes us compromise with each other so we walk together. And when you're walking together, you get to influence people. So what if we took all of our congressmen and senators into a business class? It'd be a disaster. <laughs> we, <laughs> we took... I think it'd be a disaster. <laughs> they don't know how to walk together, man. It's, it's like, it's crazy. This gridlock politics is going to bring our nation down. But anyway, I, I digress. Yeah. Uh, but this is incredible. So we stand means... Because many times we think competitive advantage, many people run from it from a kingdom perspective because they're saying, well, I don't want to be competitive. I don't want to beat the other guy. Yeah. But when you look at it from an eternal dimension, then it's complementary. It's about being your best self. And what do you bring to the marketplace? It's, it's, you know, it's about how, how do I leverage what God has given me to really advance his kingdom? So it, it, it's not really about competitive, but rather it's, it's about complementary and transformation. Would you agree? It, well, yes. I mean, again, if you get back to the purpose of business, which we've talked about, the purpose of business is to honor my father. Wow. So my to honor my father, I need to be the best, live the best life I can. Mm. I need to be the best representation of Christ. I need to be the most creative, the most innovative. I need to be the best leader I can be. I need the best loving person I can be. I need to be giving. Those are all things that I want to be so that when people look at my life and look back, they go, I'm glad I I'm glad we crossed each other. I'm glad I met Patrice. You are a phenomenally gifted person. You're making my life better by using the gift that God gave you. You're you're making me more productive by by the gift that God gave you. Well, that's the same thing I want to do. Wow, wow. This this iron, iron common shop and iron. So Al, along your journey, was there a time this whole idea of competitive advantage, it's a bit academic. You did it without even realizing it. At which point, was there a time where you sat down as a company and actually became intentional about crafting now a differentiator uh, for you guys? And if so, how was that how was that process like? Well, in one of the markets we're in, Patrice, one of our competitors is a $20 billion company. So they got a little bit, they got a little leverage on me. But, you know, for years, we could tell you what new products they were going to release three years from now because they would just look in our catalog. We would come out with the new products, introduce them to the market. Three years later, they would introduce it. And that wow. happened for probably a decade. So we knew that the only way we could beat that competitor was keep coming out with new products. Because. Because some of them we couldn't protect. There was no way to actually own that market. The only way we could own the market is keep innovating. So I couldn't protect it with IP, but I could protect it with, hey, they're just the companies that come up with the new ideas. We want to stay connected with them. Wow. So now somebody else would say, well, that's cheating. They're just copying off of you. Yeah. Was that yeah. cross your mind a little bit? Yeah, but there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you just gotta, you, you know, if you can get IP and protect it, yes. But if there's nothing you can do about it, you just have to trust God and say, God, I know you're going to give me another idea. So we would then begin to do more. We we became more organized in our research of, of new products and new ideas. Wow. Make it part of the culture. It kind of made you smarter. It made us better, right? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Again, 
I like this. So competitive event is about finding your unique strengths so that you can you can be able to walk into a space that you can play, win, and own. Right. And part of that is make sure that the size is worth the game. Right. right? The, because the, prize, you know, the prize is worth the work, right? The prize, the prize is I like it. The prize is worth the work. Because you don't want to you don't want to work in in, the, in an area where at the end you realize, wait a minute, all this was for naught because it wasn't worth it. And when you said that, obviously there's a financial element to it in terms of the economics, but is there also an impact element to it? Well, you know, again, if, when you talk about impact, that's a pretty broad topic. Impact, um, the, the health of your organization, your position in the market, how the market sees you, uh, how whether you're bringing products that, that bring um, solutions for people. So if you can do all those above, your impact is going to be greater because you're going to have more respect in the market. They're going to they're going to see you as a leader. They're going to they're going to respect you. Then when you add to that the customer service and the response and the caring and the follow through, uh, you can build some deep relationships. In a lot of corporate accounts, you're a number, and you know their goal is to get two percent out of you next year, and our goal is to become their partner where they want us to be there because we're going to make them, we're going to make their business better because we're their supplier. Mm. So it's a whole different perspective. I'm not trying, I don't want to be part of that race to the bottom. You know, um, I want to be part of that. You want me beside you because I'm going to keep adding value to you and you want me to come to you first with the new ideas. I love it. That that's even that thought alone is innovative. I mean, you just, that's, that's a transmission thinking, right? They're just thinking differently partnering with them versus just selling them stuff. Right. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of the race to the bottom. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. That's what happens when markets mature. It just becomes a numbers game. And a lot of people that follow you into the market, they don't have the innovation. They're just hoping they can beat you and that they go in at five or 10% less than you and try to beat you with the price where you're going, we don't want to create a scenario. We want to change the game. So that this is not the game is the race to the bottom. And that is one of the benefits of having a clearly defined competitive advantage right. and knowing what it is. Now, right. one thing about you, Al, by nature and personality, you, you, you had a, um, you kind of intuitively very conscious and very, there's a self-assurance that you have that others don't have. There's a clear awareness of your competence that you have that you don't have. What happens if you're not an alcoholic? Can this be taught, developed? Can I acquire this thing? Because if I'm trying to create a competitive advantage and I don't have your self-assuredness, what do I do? It's going to be harder because that self-confidence or that com being comfortable in my own skin allows me to fail. Because you're going to fail a lot. And if if you're afraid of failure, when that failure happens, you get too devastated by it and you don't get back in the game. Mm. So it's not so much that um, I'm all that much better than anybody else. I just sometimes refuse to quit. I mean, there's a there's a heck of a balance, Patrice, between, you know, stop the bleeding because you're not going to get there and hang on because you're going to get there. You're just not there yet. And that's where the magic is. That's and finding that balance, my friend, is uh, 
it's, it's a work of genius. <laughs> it's it's tough. I one of my one of my most powerful memories and my most profitable company right now, Patrice. I woke up at two in the morning sweating one time. I started walking. I walked for like an hour and a half. I'm standing in front of this building at, in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, and I'm telling God, any sane man would quit. <laughs> any man with any sense at all would just give up. And I felt like the Holy Spirit say, keep on keeping on. And I went, obviously, we're not communicating. Let's go over this again. <laughs> And I went through it again with the Lord, and the Lord said, keep on keeping on. Well, I call that business my 14-year startup, Patrice. I love it. It took me 14 years to get that business to a place where it was profitable. But now it's my most profitable business. It goes back to this whole idea of that, the entrepreneurial instinct, right? And, of course, for those of our kingdom, we have the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and trusting that more than your feelings, trusting that more than the market, trusting that more than even advisors, yep. trusting, having that inner genius. And, and because you're right, I mean, it is, you get to a place where it doesn't make sense, but something in you says, keep going. Right. You know, and this is where you need to have a wife like yours. <laughs> that's right because the worst thing you want at that moment you know is yeah. to have a naysay as a wife it's job's I, wife I, I, I am telling you curse god and die <laughs> <laughs> you know and by the way this is the real deal for entrepreneurs al this is this is what they go through this is real life right exactly. oh i love it so you know this man has been battle tested so i, I want to land a plane so I want to deal with um, with two things. First, as an innovator, when you look out there, what are some companies that you that have done this well that you kind of admire uh, that have that that you like? You know what? They've 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 clearly been able to establish a clear competitive advantage through innovation. Uh, two or three of them, and and why would you select them? Just trying to see what I would select, so artists can see who else to look, where to glean from. If it's not if it's not CMC Group, who, who's out there that that you say okay, they they've yeah. done this right and and why? Couple that come to mind real quickly. One is Rubbermaid. Rubbermaid obsoletes. I think at one point when I was following, them, they obsoleted all their products every three years. So they they would keep a product for three years and obsolete then obsolete it. So they had to have a continual innovation process to improve their products. Because three years from now, they were taking that product off the market. Wow. Um, 3M is, you know, hard to beat in terms of innovation as far as I'm concerned. They were, they're just a phenomenal company that's created an environment of innovation. And I'd have to say Google would be one. Google, uh, you know, what they did and the, how they created that culture in the company where I think at one point they, they made everybody take a certain amount of time during the day to do nothing, but think, you know, you, 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 you can't be working to a certain part of the day. You have to just take part of the day and think. So well, like one of the things I did for years and I quit doing it, which is kind of sad, but about once a month I would take a Wednesday and I would just take a Wednesday off, nothing scheduled. And I would just go out in the woods or I'd go for a walk or I'd sit by the water and just think and give my give myself an opportunity 
to think about something I wasn't thinking about. Wow. You know, um, you're getting a little bit into our next podcast, which is how to how to help people develop their own inventions. You're kind of giving us some insight in terms of what are some things that you did that made you so innovative. And we're gonna we're gonna get a lot more into it. So with that, so let's now land the plane. This idea of play, win, own, and the size of the market. So we talked about the play. You got to find something you're passionate about, that you enjoy, and so forth. When talk to us about when. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, when could be different. I like what one of my advisors told me one time. He said, "You don't have to be the lowest cost in the market, but you should be the lowest cost producer." Mm. So part of winning is just being good at what you do. Wow. Uh, and, and then hopefully you position the company so you can actually get a premium for your price. Just the lowest cost producer doesn't mean you have to lowest, be the lowest cost in the market. I love it. And I will tie that then. That means you got to operate within the, the, the area of your strength, competency. Then you get to own. You dealt with that a bit, dealing with this idea. You brought up two, uh, two things. One was, okay, th there's... There's uh, you've got to look at protecting intellectual property, but then sometimes you can't protect it legally. Give right. it, could you those give, remind us again of those two scenarios and what do you do one or the other one or the other? Well, part of it is how do you change the game? So if the game is the race to the bottom, you got to come up and you got to change the game with your customer. That you got to have your customer decide that something's more valuable than the lower price. So, for example, in some of our markets, it's information. So the product might be a commodity, but the information is not. So mm -hmm. how do we bring, how do we create information for what for our customer that makes their business more valuable? For example, a lot of the customers in retail, the POS data, the point of sale data at the cash register, that's valuable. That became that became the prize of getting your product through the cash register. So then who, who created that? Who played that game? How did that start? That's So they changed the game because it wasn't so much the product now as the POS data because it told you immediately what the customers were buying. Wow. Wow. I love it. And what I'm also hearing is part of changing the game, part of owning, sorry, the uh, part of owning it is change the game in such a way that you define it now. Exactly. Right. You define the game, not, not your competition. Not the competition. I love that, you know, and then it's interesting. You didn't mention Apple in your example. Of course, it's, you know, it's, it's overused, but, but is that particular reason why you didn't mention Apple? It's just, no, it just says it wasn't one of the ones that came to the top of mind. Okay. And then, uh, and then size is about making sure it's worth the price. Right. And part of that is, you know, market analysis makes it enough there to be worthwhile. And right. what I'm thinking also about is the opportunity costs. Right. Because, you know, what's the alternative if you don't pursue that particular opportunity? Is it really worth it? Right. And, and that whole process. This is good stuff. We went a little academic today, guys, because we want to really get into helping you. So that as you follow this podcast or read this book, you're being inspired by Al Caperna and what's helped them to really develop a competitive advantage that he was able to not only establish a uniqueness, but play, win, and own key market areas right. in his business. So as a wrap-up now, I'll ask you this. Could you, for me, just tie this now to 
one of two other products that you played in one and owned. What does that look like? Well, the one that I thought about, probably the biggest one was um, Patrice years ago, I think we talked about this. So we created a patented process to make holograms. And on the back of your visa card, there used to be a little visa dove, which you might remember. Some people might remember it's not there anymore. But at that point, um, uh, that was a very difficult product to get on that card. And I said, we, that's a that's a problem. That's an opportunity. That's a hurt in the market. So we created a way to make those holograms faster and less expensive than anybody in the world, which created a business opportunity for us that is uh, we're still expanding today. We can make holograms more effectively than than anybody. Period. Still. Wow. Especially high volume holograms. That is incredible. With that, you heard that example here, guys. We've been talking to Al Caperna about the spirit of innovation, how to develop competitive edge that helps you to be able to thrive in the marketplace. And part of that is having an innovative culture, building a company that has a spirit of innovation. I'm going to have Al um, say a few tips, uh, share a few tips with you. Before he does, I do want to do a little commercial. If you want to know more about Al Caperna and his company, the CMC Group, visit him at cmcgp.com cmcgp.com there you learn about the cmc group and what they've done what they're doing and even include their kingdom impact those that's the group of companies that al has started and owns uh today also if you want to know more about nehemiah project how we can work with you and help you with your business whatever stage of business you are in uh to be able to help you um, make it a kingdom company, grow it, and have a greater impact. Go to nehemiahecommunity.com, nehemiahecommunity.com. They can learn about training program, biblical entrepreneurship, serve with love, identity and destiny. You can learn about our coaching program where we can come alongside you either through one-on-one coaching, group coaching, or elite coaching to help you with your business from a kingdom perspective. Or you can learn about our access to capital, graduate direct financing, or connect you with some of our investors that are willing to invest in kingdom companies. Also, you can become a member of our community. Membership does have its privileges. You can connect with entrepreneurs from around the world. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have our e-community app. So make sure you're one of the the first to download that app. Team, please put on the screen uh, the the link for the e-community 3.0 3.0 ribbon cutting. By the way, Al, you were instrumental in helping us launch the e-community. Now we are at 3.0, and wow. we are about to release it in multilingual, French, Spanish, and Mandarin Chinese, as wow. well as an app. It will be on your smartphone. Uh, so so on October, what's that, July? Uh, what day is that, team? On July, anyway, sometimes in July, go to us and find out, we're going to have our ribbon cutting where we're going to be releasing uh, july 21st thank you our e-community app as well as unveiling the e-community 3.0 that is multi-lingual with that said i'll um you know many people are listening watching and some of them are saying but i'll 
In midst of a pandemic, uh, economic uncertainty is hard to be innovative. You know, I'm, I can barely uh, think beyond my circumstance. What advice would you give them? How do they navigate in this environment to be competitive through innovation? Well, Patrice, it's pretty well known that crises create opportunities. And a lot of people thrived during this last crisis. I mean, a lot of people suffered and there wasn't something, sometimes there wasn't much they could do, but crises create opportunities. So I know our business always thrived in a market downturn because we were there to, to help, help our customers through that downturn. So I would say that if, if there's a crisis, you need to pray and say, God, help me be part of the solution for the people that you put in my path. And then think about what you can do to serve the people that God put in your path. I mean, the thing about the, um, the uh, Good Samaritan is the Good Samaritan is the one person that didn't go out of his way when someone needed help. The other people went out of their way not to help him. The Good Samaritan stayed on his path and helped the person that was in his way. And a lot of times God will put these opportunities right in your way and don't go out of your way to avoid them. You know, I've never looked at the Good Samaritan story that way. Thank you for that insight. Do not go out of your way not to help. Right. <laughs> so it requires more efforts not to help than to help. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's good stuff. That is kingdom business. Al, thank you again, my friend. Please tell you, thank your wife for us. And we're so glad that it was just a, was that? Heart incident. A heart incident. We are so glad. Good to be back. The kingdom is continuing benefiting for that. Listen, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And I do want to pray for you. And um, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord enable you to steward those talents that are under your care. I talked earlier about the fact that the, the only way for your talent to multiply is that you got to be faithful and steward the ones you already got. Whatever you don't have, I mean, whatever you have, do not undermine, do not minimize it. Use it faithfully and watch. God will multiply. Right. And as you steward them faithfully, one day you will hear those wonderful words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. He'll make you rule over much. God bless you. I'll thank you again, my friend. Thanks, Patrice. Good seeing you, brother. Yes, sir.